Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to exclusive content brought to you by Seekers Guidance. We are committed to make reliable Islamic knowledge accessible and free of charge. Help us in our mission by making a small donation at seekersguidance.org slash donate. Even $10 a month can go a long way. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen وأفضل الصلاة وتم التسليم على سيدنا ونبينا وسندنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وأتباعه إلى يوم الدين الحمد لله As we continue to look at one of the great summaries of how one can operationalize the Quran and the guidance of our beloved Messenger وسلم, in our lives, Imam Abdullah ibn Alawi al-Haddad's brilliant work, Risalatul Mu'awana, the Book of Assistance. We, yesterday, Shaykh um, Ustaz uh, Amjad Tarseen looked at the importance of holding fast to the Sunnah, practically, and he talked about some key criteria related to that. And these are very clear and practical advices. So today, he tells us about the importance of taking care of our faith, right? of it, its soundness and of its strength. And this is, of course, always important and is the most important of matters Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud went to the beloved Messenger of Allah and asked him, Ya Rasulullah, ayyul amali afdal, O Messenger of Allah, what actions are best? And the Messenger said, Al imanu billah, belief in Allah. So the questioner was a believer. Right? Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was one of the earliest companions. Of the, the very first of the believers. And he's not someone who would have doubt. So why was that mentioned? It's not just, well, when you believe that was the best of action. But the, but the maintenance of faith, the cultivation of faith, bringing faith to fruition is the best of matters. Because what is the pinnacle of religion? The pinnacle of religion is the perfection of faith. In the Hadith Jibreel, when the man, when that questioner came, Sayyidina Jibreel and he asked the Prophet what is Islam, what is Iman? Then he asked, what is Ihsan? What is is excellence? Meaning, what is the perfection of religion? And what is the pinnacle of the religion of Islam? is that you be in a state of worshipfulness of Allah as though you behold Him. And what is as though you behold Him? That, that, the, that the meanings of faith are conscious re- realities. So not only do you accept that there is no ability nor power except through Allah, but that you behold that meaning. Not only that you accept that Allahu Akbar, that Allah is the greatest, but that you behold that meaning. 
that not only do you accept that alhamdulillah but that you behold that meaning there's a big difference that all praise is due to Allah that yeah I, yeah I believe that but do you really behold that meaning those who when tribulations befall قالوا, what do they say inna lillah and it's a musibah it's not only death it's not the dua of death inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun we are Allah's and to him are we ever returning this is what believers are supposed to say by the Quranic text and sunnah of the Prophet anytime there's a musibah death is a musibah is a tribulation but other difficulties we are Allah's inna lillah truly we are Allah's wa inna ilayhi and truly we are ever returning to him it's not raji'un is not just we will return to him but we are ever returning to him because with every breath we are returning back to Allah we all believe that but do we behold that right that's why Allah subhanahu wa says in the Quran ya ayyuhalladhina amanu aminu oh you believe truly believe and because, oh, you believe. If you wouldn't describe someone as, oh, you believe, have faith. Because if you didn't have faith, you wouldn't be of those who believe. With the second, aminu is, truly believe. Now, you know, the, the aqidah police always existed. Someone went to one of the great early Muslims, Al-Hassan al-Basri. And he asked him, are you really a believer? So the aqidah police always around. Like it's not just people who try to annoy us these days. So Sayyidina al-Hassan al-Basri, this is mentioned by Imam al-Bayhaqi in Shu'ab al-Iman and elsewhere and by others. He asked him, are you truly a believer? He said, if you're asking me, do I believe in Allah and his angels and his books and his messengers and in the last day and in destiny, good and bad, then I am for sure a believer. Right? You can't have doubt about being a believer. But if you're asking me whether I am of those who when the name of Allah is mentioned, their hearts quake. Right? Their hearts quake. Their hearts are shaken out of awe of Allah. I don't know if I'm a true believer. Because right? there's mere faith and then there's the perfection of faith. So, this is a reality that we need to work on and cultivate and nurture. But then also, sometimes we kid ourselves that, well, things were so much easier for the companions. And who are you kidding? Right? Someone went to one of the Sahaba. Right? And asked him that tell us something about what happened during the time of the Prophet. ﷺ. And this man said, Glad tidings be to two eyes. Glad tidings be to two eyes that beheld the Messenger of Allah. And he said it, not just making, but with the sense of wishing that, and some narrations actually mention. I said, I wish I was there with you. 
And the Sahabi got very upset. Like he got very upset. And the man just said, you know, glad tidings be to eyes that saw the Messenger of Allah. The guy was wishing that I was there too. So this great Sahabi told him off and told him that why do people wish for things that they missed? When they don't know how they would have responded had they been in those situations. Be, it was not easy to be of the Sahaba of Rasulullah right? That we think faith is difficult now. That okay, there's Islamophobia and this and that. We don't experience anything like what was experienced by the first believers. Would we have stood firm as Sayyidina Bilal or Sayyidina Ammar or Sumayya or these early believers did? Right? Sayyidina Bilal, when he's lying on, you know, on burning hot sand in the middle of the day, in the heat of the middle of the day in Arabia, with heavy rocks placed against his chest, they can barely breathe. And they're telling him, do you still believe? And he say, Ahadun Ahad. The one alone, the one alone. Right? That was not easy. Right? When you're, all your people are mocking the religion that you worship, who are mocking your messenger, and you're not able to do it. Right? Many of, and but they stood firm. There's many who wanted to enter Islam, but they didn't because. You know, when the Prophet was in, in prostration and entrails were thrown on his back and leading companions were there, they could not do anything. But, the, but his daughter, Sayyidah Fatima, came up and she removed that and told them off even as a young child. That, that, that was not easy. Right? So, likewise, people have doubts. And we get, oh my God, there's people having doubts. When Isra and Mi'raj happened, we celebrate it each year. But accepting that was not so simple at that time. Many, many people wavered. Some doubted. Some even left Islam. It was a serious test. Throughout the Medinan phase, there were times when people were very afraid. Were very afraid. At the Battle of the Trench, it, the Sahaba narrate, it was a cold, windy night. And everyone was besotten with fear. So the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever will go and spy on the enemy, I guarantee for them paradise. And amongst them there were Abu Bakr and Umar and leading companions. Everyone was gathered around the Messenger ﷺ. Who volunteered? Nobody. They said each of us looked right and left hoping that the one next to us would volunteer so we wouldn't have to. And the Prophet repeated it several times. No one volunteered. And said, and all of us wish to be someone else. It was tough. It was tough. So don't think that we live in uniquely difficult times where there's just as we're tested with our desires, right? We're tested with our whims. We're tested with the shaitan, we're tested with the dunya, we're also tested with respect to our faith. Right? We're tested with respect to our faith. But there is a response to that test.
right? Which is what the author tells us, rahimahullah ta'ala. So he tells us, Imam Abdullah bin Ali al-Haddad in the Book of Assistance on strengthening one's faith, he says, know that you must take care of, rec of making sound your beliefs and to rectify them and to strengthen them on the way of the mainstream of Islam, right? Which is the, and that mainstream of Islam is the Firqatun Najiyah, the saved group. The saved group is not a little band of, you know, of strange men in the desert. The saved group in the Ummah is the mainstream of Islam, right? And that's an amazing reality. It's one of Allah's gifts to the Messenger, وسلم, right? That his Ummah remains manifest on his way. Now, there may be people who are, who are weak, who have this and that, but what beliefs does the mainstream of the Ummah have? Sound beliefs. Now, there will be amongst them who are ignorant of them, who have weaknesses, etc. What is the practice of the mainstream of the Ummah? It is the mainstream, it is sound understanding of the deen. And that is something we should not neglect. Now, we look at little details here and there, but... This is the Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ. And this is the one that is known between the sects of Islam as Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Right? And that is a large, that is the mainstream of Islam. Right? And beware of any, Imam Ghazali says, beware of any who would limit the mercy of Allah and try to make Jannah a private club for a limited, for an exclusive group of people of beliefs like they have right? so because that is trying to limit the mercy of Allah right? and Jannah is vast and that's where the Ummah of the Messenger وسلم, is headed so don't beware of of cultish claims and there are those who hold fast to what was the way of the Messenger وسلم, and his companions in form but also in spirit in spirit, do they embody mercy in their understanding? They embody concern for others. And says, and if you look yourself, if you were to look with upright, balanced understanding, um, with a sound heart at the texts of the Quran and the Sunnah that contain all the, the knowledges of faith, and this looked at what was the approach in which there is of the early Muslims nor and the companions then and the followers all your and all generations of Islam, you know and, be, and have no doubt whatsoever that this mainstream understanding that has always existed in, in our Ummah is the sound understanding of the deen. And that is the way that the mainstream of the Ummah has been upon, which is the way of, you know, of the two great schools of Islamic theology. Uh, founded by Imam Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari and Imam Abu al-Mansur al-Maturidi because they gathered the foundational principles on which our beliefs are established and they made clear and decisive proofs supporting all our beliefs and this is the aqidah this is the beliefs that the ummah has consensus upon right 
from the time of the companions and the best of generations that followed. Right? And this is the, these are the beliefs of the people of truth of every age. Right? And this is also the beliefs of the people of the spiritual path, the Ahl al-Tasawwuf, of the, you know, the sound spiritual approach in our religion, right, of mainstream understanding, not of veering understandings, as related by Imam Abu al-Qasim al-Qushayri in his Risala, which is one of the great works from the early centuries of Islam on sound mainstream Islamic spirituality, grounded deeply in knowledge. Imam al-Qushayri was one of the great imams of tafsir, the great imams of theology, of the science of beliefs, and one of the great imams of, of, of sound Islamic spirituality. And he says, and, and then he talks about him, himself, right? Imam Abdullah ibn Ali al-Haddad was from the, the, the Blessed Valley of Hadramaut in Yemen, right? Um, from the city of Tarim, from a noble family, and he'll talk about that. You know, his ancestor from the first few centuries, when, when wealth spread in Baghdad and there's all kinds of worldly tribulation and political intrigue and corruption and wealth, Beget, begets excesses to safeguard his religion this descendant of the Prophet ﷺ, he'll talk about migrated from Iraq to Hadramaut so they could hold fast to the way of the early Muslims of prioritizing the hereafter of taking care of the state of one's heart the renouncing worldliness and it is through the ulama of this um, blessed family that at least 25% of the Muslims of the world have become Muslim through one family. Right? Because it is from that family. And they're famous as the Ba'alawis of Hadramaut, particularly from the city of Tarim. That's where Islam spread to much of East Africa. Where Islam spread to the whole Malay archipelago. Right? Which is the largest concentration of Muslims anywhere, Indonesia. Uh, they talk about the Wali Songo in the, in the Malay archipelago, Indonesia, Malaysia, and related Singapore, Brunei, Brunei etc. Islam spread there through the efforts of the, of, you know, of these, of their traders and righteous scholars who went there and spread Islam. And that's how it used to be Hindu and, and their local native religions. Also in Western India, in Kera, in the Malibar coast, they spread Islam, etc. And of course, the, there's been great callers throughout history, but it's one of the great religious traditions of, of our deen, producing some of the great scholars. So he says, and this is, by the praise of Allah, our beliefs and the beliefs of our brethren from the, the Husseini Sada, who are known as Al-Ba'alawi, and this is, these are the beliefs, this mainstream belief are the beliefs of our forefathers from the time of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, to our day. And the great migrant Imam, are the, who is the forefather of these noble Sada, say the Ahmad ibn Isa ibn Muhammad ibn Ali, Ibn al-Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu um, when, he, when he saw the manifestation of innovations of bid'ah and a lot of 
following of worldly whims and a lot of dispute in, in Iraq, which at that time, within the first centuries, that was the seat of the, of the Khilafah. He came to the lands of Hadramaut and resided there till he died. Right? To, to shield himself, he migrated for the sake of Allah. So he was, his name is Ahmad ibn Isa ibn Muhammad ibn Ali ibn al-Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq. So the fifth descendant from Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq, who was the fifth descendant from Sayyidina Ali and Sayyidina Fatima. Right? And a great Imam of Ahl sunnah of course. Uh, Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq. Some people ascribe a madhab to Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq. Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq is one of the great Imams of Sunni Islam. He was one of the teachers of Imam Hanifa and, and others, and he was a very much like all the great Imams of Al Bayt were were you know, were on the mainstream understanding of our Deen. Anyways, um, so Allah Mosai blessed his progeny until a countless number of his progeny became famous for their knowledge and their devotion and their righteousness and their gnosis. Um, and they were not affected by what many different groups from with, who ascribed themselves to the prophetic household um, of adopting innovated ways right? um, that take one away from, uh, the, the, you know, from the way of the Prophet ﷺ or the way of the Imams of our deen. Um, right? And this great trustworthy Imam, you know, Imam Ahmad ibn Isa al-Muhajir, um, this, you know, the barakah of his fleeing in order to preserve his religion from tribulation, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he makes dua for him, may Allah um, grant him the best of what he, he grants any child from their, you know, um, of, of the Ummah of the Messenger and he increases degrees um, with all our forefathers and all ours as well and, and make us of those who are gathered with the best of creation in the highest of places and grant us well-being and never cause us to change anything of prophetic guidance and never be affected by any fitna that envelops us for Allah is indeed the most merciful of the merciful. Right? And he says, and the Maturidis and the Ash'aris have the same beliefs. These are the two main groups, the Ummah. So now, he said, so he tells us, it's very important to have sound beliefs. These beliefs are, are those of the mainstream. He's speaking from a particular religious tradition. And this, within Islam, there's, there's a difference between a madrasa, right? a particular school or a particular approach within Ahl Sunnah, and a firqa, and a sect, right? And the difference between a school of thought, right, or a school of method that may have particular things that from within the sunnah that they emphasize more, that you know, they adopt, um, as opposed to a sect is at a, a distinguishing characteristic of a firqa is a sect rejects all others. Where the school accepts that this is, this is our method. You know, there's some group, Abu al-Qahir al-Baghdadi in, in his work on the sects of Islam, identifies that within Ahl-Sunnah, 
there are eight main tendencies. There are those who focused above all on the preservation and understanding of the Qur'an. There's others who focused above all on hadith. That there were the people who focused on knowledge. Amongst the people of knowledge were the theologians who focused above all. And then there were the jurists, the fuqaha. Then the people who focused above all on spirituality. Right? And these are, it's almost like specializations. Right? Our ummah has multiple specializations. Coming t- all together, they act, they preserve the vastness of the prophetic guidance. And then there's the people of calling to Allah. And there's the people of striving in the path of Allah. And there's the people of service to, 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 to humanity. These are all tendencies of good. Right? But these are madrasas, right? And we never blame someone. So people who are doing charity work, we would say, why are you doing charity work? You should be doing ilm. No. This is a door of good and this is a door of good. A sect is one who says the, the truth is only with us. You are all misguided. So beware of, you know, of sects. Um, and however, soundness of faith is important. So the author tells us it befits every believer. And, and he's talking in, in a, a valley where everyone's a Muslim. Right? But it's important for us to strengthen our faith. How does one strengthen our faith? We have to keep in mind the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ مُعَلِّمًا I was only sent as a teacher. Right? And he said, إِنَّمَا الْعِلْمُ بِالتَّعَلُّمُ Knowledge is only through proper study. The Prophet also said in the hadith related by both Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim from Sayyidina Muawiyah that Man bihi khayran, fi deen. Whomever Allah wishes well for, He grants deep understanding of religion. Who grants them proper sound understanding of religion. The foundation of religion is beliefs. So if you want to have sound, healthy religion, you need to root it in a sound, healthy understanding of your belief. Say, I learned it when I was a child. And how, how much did you understand as a child? Right? And how much do we forget? Right? So, so, it befits every believer to s- strengthen and safeguard their beliefs by learning a statement of Islamic beliefs, a aqidah. Right? which is a summary of Islamic beliefs from one of the statements of belief from one of the Imams of Islam who's, who, regarding whom there's consensus of their great place and their being of the authorities of our religion. And this is also important. One way you want to avoid sectarianism. And you know, I see a lot of, you know, you know Abraham Lincoln said, God loves the common man. That's why he created so many of them. I told that to a friend of mine, he said, does that mean that Allah loves uh, Indians and Pakistanis? I said, why? Because he said he created so many of us. And then he also created a lot of mushrikeen. <laughs> so <laughs> that logic doesn't necessarily follow. But, you know, we have a lot of sectarianism in the subcontinent, unfortunately. One of the ways to safeguard that is to follow this advice. Learn... You know, the, the understanding of the great authorities of Islam. That nobody has, can reasonably have any confusion about. Stay away from contention. Or ba- take your understanding from the great authorities of Islam through proper study. And look for those who teach 
the, you know, the works of the great authorities, and then navigate the realities of there being difference of opinion, etc., in light of what the Imams of, you know, of Islam say, outside of those controversies. And if you avoid any controversy all your life, there's no reward in it. On the Day of Judgment, you won't be asked, what about such and such sect? We have enough to worry about our own, this health of our own beliefs. So, this, so he says, every one of us should study and understand one of a, a, a clear statement of beliefs. And they say, one should do that as an adult as well. That gives one, one, so one has sound beliefs, but understanding gives clarity, and clarity gives certitude. Because if you understand clearly our beliefs, then when you make dhikr of Allah, when you say subhanallah, you know what you, what, what is the meaning of saying subhanallah? When you say, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, there's no ability nor power except through Allah. You, know, you don't just have like a general fuzzy meaning, you have some degree of clarity of what are the implications of that. Right? When we say hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil, Allah is our sufficiency and He's the best of guardians. What are the implications of that? So everyone should study one text of um, Islamic beliefs. Um, and he said that, and I don't think someone who's seeking clarity and, comp and comprehensive understanding of beliefs in a manner that is away from confusing or controversial digressions like the statement of beliefs of Imam Al-Ghazali which he included in the first chapter of his book The Foundations of Islamic Belief from his work and Alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed us to cover this at Seeker's Guidance and it's available as an, a free online course. Um, what Imam al-Ghazali did within the book, firstly, chapter one, he has a brief statement of Islamic beliefs. This is what you need to know with clarity. And it's one of the greatest summaries of Islamic beliefs. Second chapter, he clarifies a number of issues, how you learn the Islamic beliefs, etc., etc., the role of study in, in strengthening faith. Chapter three, he explains chapter one, with some of the proofs and so on, to give clarity. So he tells us, so seek it out. If you yearn for more, right? then look at the third chapter of the book, because the third chapter explains the first. So practically he's saying, if you want to have clear understanding of beliefs, to operationalize this, one should have a practical task. Do I say one should study aqidah twice in one's lifetime? Once to discover what do we believe, and a second time uh, in a little more detail to understand why and some of the reasoning and proofs. So, so you know, so one is to know and the other is to understand. And you do that, then you move on. Then you review it once in a while. You reflect on what you know, but that's enough. That's enough. Avoid any sectarian arguments, disputes, etc. We have, alhamdulillah, a, a range of online courses at Seeker's Guidance covering 
um, a number of mainstream texts in um, Islamic beliefs, all of which are offered free. The first level text is, is, is the essentials of Islamic beliefs. Just the Kharida of Imam Ahmad al-Dardir was one of the great Azhari Imams of the 18th, early 19th century. Um, one of the great Imams of the Maliki school. Um, and that statement has been studied since the author composed it to our times and numerous people memorize it. We have dozens of people right in the city of Toronto who have memorized it over the years. Um, so then he says, and don't delve into the nuances of theology and philosophy, right? And don't just go into that to try to be sophisticated in your understanding because you will not attain what you seek through that knowledge. Don't imagine that you can strengthen your faith through mere deep study of proofs and arguments and so on. Right? Because faith is not like, there's two levels of study that help us in our faith, which are firstly to know with clarity what we believe and then to understand it. But now beyond that, it's like, you know, if you want to learn how to drive a car, you need to know a little bit, okay, this is what, how it works, etc. But then once you learn, okay, you know, this is what the driving is, you know, you have to do the, what's it called? The, I shouldn't be talking about it, I don't actually drive. I used to have a driver's license, I never renewed it. But you have to do your theoretical test before you do your practical test, right? But imagine if someone says, yeah, I, I, I've learned to drive. What do you do? I, I'm always reading something about driving. Is the person a driver? No. You're only a driver by driving. Similarly, you're only a believer by believing. You don't, it's one of the great ironies, Imam Ghazali clarifies this beautifully, you don't strengthen your beliefs through mere study of beliefs, but by the things that strengthen beliefs. How? So you need to, all of us should study, you know, whatever our age, at, you know, at least one text of, you know, introductory text of beliefs, it gives us a lot of clarity. You study another time, it gives us a little more understanding. But beyond that, it's like the one who says, okay, someone recommends you should have honey, it's good for your health. So they find out everything about honey. What's the best honey, where to buy it, the best prices. So did you have any? Not yet, I'm doing more research. Right? You tell any of us, that's foolish, go have some honey. So the people, you know, the scholars of Aqidah themselves, of the science of Islamic beliefs, they tell us. Imam Ibrahim al-Laqani, in one of the great summaries of Islamic beliefs, he tells us, وَرُجِّحَتْ زِيَادَةُ الْإِيمَانِ بِمَا تَزِيدُ طَاعَةُ الْإِنسَانِ وَنَقْصُهُ بِنَقْصِهَا وَقِيلَ لَا وَقِيلَ لَا خُلْفَا كَذَا قَدْ نُقِلَا So Imam Ibrahim al-Laqani, in, in a book on Islamic, in a summary of Islamic beliefs, he says, that the chosen position is that Iman increases. Now he's writing a book on Islamic beliefs. You'd think he'd say, so study more of the science of Islamic belief and you'll get... He says, no. It's chosen that faith increases with everything. بِمَا تَزِيدُ طَاعَةُ الْإِنسَانِ With everything that increases, our obedience to Allah. Why? What is our prayer? Our prayer is, an, is not an action. 
alone. Our prayer is an act of faith. It's faith expressed through an act of submission to the one we believe in. Right? When you pray, the apparent grammar of, of your act of prayer is I am praying to Allah. Right? So some of us when we're not yet good at praying, we focus on I. We say Allahu Akbar, then suddenly the shoulder starts hurting and the neck, you know, because the focus is on I. Others are focusing on praying. But really, the focal point of the grammar of the act of prayer is Allah. Which is why, what do we say in Surah Al-Fatiha? We don't say, Na'buduka, that we worship you. It's not about we, it's not about worship, it's about you. So we say, Iyaka Na'bud, it is you we worship. It is you we worship. But when we engage in worship, prayer, fasting, zakat, sadaqah, hajj, any act of good, maintaining family ties, visiting a friend for the sake of Allah, all our acts, which are ibadah. What is the focal point about it? It's Allah. So how do we strengthen our iman in Allah, our connection with Allah? Through increasing in faithful acts of devotion. In faithful acts of devotion. So he tells us, right, that if you seek to, to realize the perfection of faith, then you should travel the path of drawing closer to Allah, which begins by holding fast to taqwa. Because taqwa is an act of faith. Taqwa is not just being a miserable Muslim. I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. It's an act of faith. Why when we, when we are taking our family for dinner, we skip over this restaurant and that, and we go to the halal restaurant, and we seek out places that, that are trustworthy. It's an act of Iman. But we should make it an act of Iman because then it has purpose. Right? Then it has purpose. So all those acts of obedience, you go to the grocery store, you could have bought anything, but you chose the thing that is halal. That's an act of faith. But we, how does it benefit one? Most powerfully, when we do it with intention. When we do it with intention. We do it in a state of remembering Allah SWT, that I'm doing this for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the way of nurturing faith is to hold fast to taqwa by doing the things that are commanded outwardly and inwardly. Right? That's number one. Hold fast to taqwa by doing what's commanded outwardly and inwardly, leaving what is prohibited. One of the most important things to leave as an act of faith is backbiting. Is backbiting. The Prophet said, whoever leaves, whoever can guarantee that which is between their two lips and the, between their two legs, I guarantee for them paradise, said the Prophet. So when we wanted to say that snide comment, but we didn't, for the sake of Allah, that's an act of iman. And it increases one in faith with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, he says, so the first is holding fast at How do you strengthen faith? Number one, holding fast at taqwa. Number two, reflecting on the verses of the Qur'an reflecting on the hadith of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, reflection and we looked in a previous chapter you can find it on our YouTube channel on 
reflection. It's one of the very important chapters in this book. So reflection. Right? Reflecting on the book of Allah and the teachings of the Prophet practically every day have at least one or two verses that you reflect upon. Just pause in your recitation, reflect on one verse a day. Similarly, let no day pass you that you haven't read one hadith of the Messenger of Allah Don't try to be Superman. Read one hadith. When I was still in Amman in Jordan, um, in our neighborhood, there's a scholar. He started a, a collection of hadith that he was teaching by one of the great imams of hadith, Imam al-Baghawi from the first five centuries called Sharh al-Sunnah. It's like 4,300 hadiths. And the shaykh said, each asr, we're going, after each asr prayer, we're going to read one hadith. Uh, my, you know, my young self was like, shaykh's a big optimist. One hadith a day, you're reading a 4,000 hadith book. But what happened? 12 years later, by that time I was back in Toronto, I saw this announcement that the final lesson on that book is tomorrow. One hadith a day, 12 years later he's read 4,300 hadith. Right? So that's the power of consistency. Daily have some hadith that you read as an act of faith. Iman, qala Rasulullah, the messenger of Allah said, it's an act of faith, reflect on it. Reflect on the signs of Allah around you. That's number three. Right? So learn to look with reflection. Number four, he said, work at refining your character. Tahdibul akhlaq. As an act of faith. Right? And by making your character latif. By softening your character. Right? How? By disciplining yourself. Know what your weaknesses are. That I get angry very fast. So work on that. I get stingy. I have ill opinion. I have this and that. So work on it for the sake of Allah. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, is described by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Truly you are upon tremendous character. Is the highest praise of the Prophet ﷺ in the Quran. Truly, you are upon tremendous character. The, the, the Sahaba, the scholars discuss what made the character of the Prophet ﷺ tremendous. Imam Al Qurtubi, in his great tafsir, relates from Imam Junaid al Baghdadi, rahimahullah, who said, "Kana khuluquhu sallallahu alaihi wasallam alima li'annahu lam yakun lawhamun siwa rabbihi." The character of the Prophet ﷺ was tremendous. What gave him this amazing character? That he was so amazing in all his dealings. Said his character was tremendous because he had no concern besides his Lord. That when he was dealing with someone, whether they're good to him or bad to him, he was not dealing with them. He was acting for the sake of Allah. His good character was an act of faith. Which is why the Prophet said, Akmalul mu'mina imanan ahsanhum khuluqa in the hadith in Tirmidhi. The Prophet said, the believers most perfect in faith are those best in character. Because when your character is tested, when you could be harsh, mean, angry, rude, stingy, or whatever else challenges of character we have, impatient. What is it that holds us back? It is Iman. So work at improving your character as a statement of, as a means of nurturing your Iman. Do it for Allah. Right? Um, 
And he continues, and strive to this number six, he says, strive to polish the mirror of your heart through holding fast to remembrance and reflection. Right? And the Prophet said, truly hearts rust like mirrors do. Right? And mirrors, of course, in the old days were made from metal, not from glass. Right? They used to have you know, different metals. So you had to, the only way the metal would reflect is that if you polished it consistently, if you leave polishing the mirror, it no longer reflects. The heart is like a mirror, but the mirrors at that time, they were made from metal. You had to keep polishing it till it sh shined enough that you could see your reflection in it. So the Prophet said, truly hearts get rusty like mirrors do. So the Sahaba asked the obvious question, what is their polish? And the Messenger of Allah indicated their polish is remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the prophetic advice. Keep your tongue moist with the remembrance of Allah. If you reflect everything we say in remembrance of Allah, it is all statements of Iman. When we say La ilaha illallah, that's Iman. When you say Alhamdulillah, and one of the best things we can say in the days of Ramadan is to repeat what the Prophet referred to as Al Baqiyatu Salihat, the lasting good deeds, which are, as the Prophet said, to say Subhanallah, Walhamdulillah, Walla ilaha illallah, Wallahu Akbar. Whether in this order or in any order. Each of these is a statement of faith. Reflect on it for a moment. Subhanallah, all glory belongs to Allah. Alhamdulillah, all praise belongs to and is deserved by Allah. La ilaha illallah, that there's none free of any need whatsoever, whom all are in absolute need of except Allah. And this is the meaning of la ilaha illallah. There's none worthy of worship of Allah. But why is he worthy of worship of Allah? Because there's no other who is absolutely free of need of any other, whom all are in absolute need of, except Allah. Allahu Akbar. Allah is the absolutely great. So he, so he says, and with that, turn away from the things that distract you from strengthening your faith, right? Everything, these things cultivate your faith. So structure your life so that the things that cultivate your faith are not prevented. The things that distract you away from this, leave, leave. Or wean yourself from them gradually. Get rid of the worst things first. Then get rid of the things that most waste your time uselessly, right? And then there's some things you know, you're probably not going to go to hell for watching the raptors, right? But they're probably doing many things worse than that. But once you've left, you know, the sinful, when you've left big wastes of time, then leave everything that keeps you away from what's better. But, but step by step. So then finally, he says that if this is the way of attaining the perfection of faith. And if you pursue this way, you will find what you seek. What do you seek? You seek closeness to Allah. You seek the love of Allah. And you will seek what you are longing for. And those of the spiritual path, those who devoted themselves to Allah, only strived against their lower selves and exerted themselves and left their merely worldly habits and their 
you know, and the things they were accustomed to in order to attain the perfection of faith. Right? They focus, their purpose was to perfect their faith. What should our goal be? Our goal be what the Prophet ﷺ referred to when he responded to Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam, the Sahih Hadith. Akhbirni anil ihsan. So tell me about the perfection of faith. And our beloved Messenger said, and ta'abudullah to to reach a state of slavehood to Allah as though you behold him. That's our goal. But but if you don't yet behold him, but that's where we should be going. Ask, is, was, that, was my prayer as though I'm beholding Allah? No, got work to do. Was my Quran as though I'm beholding the one I'm reciting his words off? No, I got work to do. And there's always work to do because he is greater than your consciousness of him can ever be. But if you don't yet behold him, then know that he beholds you. Then know that he beholds you, right? And this is the station, he says, of slavehood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the state sought by those who know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When Allah praises the beloved messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, when he took him on, on a journey, no other human being was ever taken on. The Isra, what do you say? Subhanallah, the Isra bi'abdihi. Glory be to the one who took on a night journey his slave. Because right? the, the highest state of the believer is ubudiyya, is utter slavehood to Allah. But utter slavehood is the state of one who is in a state of submission to Allah as though they behold him. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that state. So don't focus that, oh, there's, there's so many tests, there's so many trials. Rather, Put your focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and have a good opinion of Allah. The Prophet sallallahu is related to have said that whoever gives life to my sunnah in testing times for my ummah has the reward of martyrs. Has the reward of martyrs. So when there's testing times, what do we have to do? We have the sunnah in front of us. Hold fast to it, seeking Allah, and you're in good. Right? So be of those who act, don't be of those who comment. Because there's no reward for commentary, but there is reward for effort. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the effort of the best of his servants. mustaqim, The path of those you bestowed their favor upon. So that was his discussion on the chapter on nurturing faith. And he emphasized the importance of all of us of taking the effort to learn our faith properly. And Thank you for listening. This lesson was brought to you by Seekers Guidance, the world's first truly global Islamic seminary. Visit seekersguidance.org to access reliable Islamic knowledge taught by qualified teachers. We offer a wide range of courses, podcasts, articles, and a world-class answer service, all completely free of charge. This is made possible solely by supporters like you. Be a partner in this blessed work by making a small donation at seekersguidance.org. Even $10 a month can go a long way. Our beloved Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said, Whoever guides someone to goodness will have a similar reward. So don't forget to share this lesson and join us in spreading prophetic guidance.